3. Sunday morning, studying the book of Colossians in a series entitled uh, Give Me Jesus, and a reminder as we turn there that on Sunday evenings we go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and uh, currently studying the gospel according to Luke, 6 o'clock in the evening, and we'll be doing that tonight. Each of you are uh, welcome to join us. Single verse this morning uh, in verse 20, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful to be able to turn to something that uh, called your word that is not only going to have the final say in every human life, but that it will outlive the heavens and the earth. And we thank you for the privilege of being able to build our lives on that kind of a sure foundation as we see how shaky all other foundations are becoming all around us. And so we pray that you would bless your word, that it would come forth into our hearts and into our lives, not in word only, but in a work and a demonstration of your spirit. Speak to us, we pray this morning, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. In verses 20 and 21, the Apostle Paul continues his instruction concerning the true places in which uh, 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 spiritual depth and maturity is found uh, in the Christian life. And he continues it now with his instruction concerning family, the responsibility of Christian children, the responsibility of Christian parents, and this morning we'll limit our instruction uh, to the children. Now, you would think uh, as you read through something like this that, uh, I, at least I would, I would think that he would begin with the parents and then move to the children, but he doesn't do that, and, that, and, and he's following a pattern that uh, marks what he's, uh, all that he's saying here in this particular uh, area and section of the Scripture. And uh, the pattern begun with the wives and husbands of addressing, uh, first of all, the one that's submitting to God-given authority, uh, wives to husbands, children to parents, and then he follows it with a warning to those that he has entrusted authority to, that they are not to uh, use that authority uh, beyond the bounds in which he gives it. And uh, they're never to use it as an opportunity uh, for uh, the flesh. You notice when uh, he writes here, by the Spirit of God, children obey your parents. When he uses the term children, it refers to children, uh, including youth, who are uh, still at home under the spiritual authority of their parents. And so they enjoy are enjoying all of the blessings of a Christian home, and uh, this is what they are to bring uh, to that Christian home themselves as a result. And what they're to bring to the stability and the blessing of uh, their home is uh, obedience to their parents. Now, allow me to address a limitation in terms of this obedience at the outset so we can get into the verse in earnest. No child is called to submit to the authority of their parents or obey their parents if their parents call on them to do something contrary to the Word of God, uh, to lie or to cheat or to steal or to partake of illegal substances or whatever uh, it might be. Even for a child in a Christian home, uh, for the child, uh, his or her relationship with God uh, takes precedence, uh, and God's authority in their life takes precedence over the authority uh, of, uh, of parents. And so the Apostle Paul, he includes this limitation uh, in his writings in, on the same subject in the book of Ephesians, but here uh, he doesn't because he simply assumes that the Christian parents here are not taking their authority uh, beyond what the Scriptures say. 
Now, God then uh, gives us, and uh, He gives children, uh, and uh, I'm in a kind of a loss here as I'm looking at this sermon to, to talk to the congregation, yet also to talk to children and youth um, in particular. So, so God then uh, gives uh, children uh, the degree to which they're to be obedient to their parents when He says, obey your parents in all things. Uh, in other words, anything that they ask, any command that a parent makes of a child uh, that is not a violation of God's definitions of right and wrong, not a violation of the Bible, then the children are to obey that. You are to obey that. Uh, even when it's not easy to do, even if you don't like the command, and, uh, or you don't agree with the decision. And not only is there to be obedience, but the obedience is to be immediate. It is to be with the right attitude. It is to be done the first time that they're told. There's not to be any whining or sulking or complaining. Uh, one of the things that I, sometimes I'll watch maybe a TV show or a movie, and if one of the key characters is going to be some sulky, whiny brat of a child, uh, I turn it off immediately. It's, I mean, it's, it permeates the culture. If I'm going to watch something on TV, it's to escape the culture and, uh, and not to see more uh, of that. I had, as a part of my uh, upbringing in junior high, which is a formative uh, kind of period of time, I had a teacher named Mr. Deming. He was my homeroom teacher. So I had him for three periods uh, of the day. And uh, if you didn't do what Mr. Deming said in your classroom, he had a famous saying. He would look at you in front of the entire class and he would say, pack up your gear and get out. Uh, I also had a teacher uh, by the name of Mr. Wheeler. And Mr. Wheeler taught math, and I was a part of his class. And I've mentioned it before, but the first time, uh, the first day of the class, he got, uh, laid down the law for the room. And he said, when I tell you to jump, uh, you ask how high on the way up. And, uh, and you know what happened in that classroom? Uh, everybody did it. And the result of it was that room was then an environment of peace. It, it was a, an environment that was now productive in which to uh, learn. And uh, if we will do that for a math teacher or we will do it for a coach or anywhere other else in life, then we show that we have the capacity to do it everywhere else in life, including the capacity uh, to do it for our parents at home, for both the father uh, and the mother. Again, in order that uh, Christian homes might be an environment of peace, an environment uh, that's filled with joy, a productive environment, the way that God wants it to be for not only the children, but also for the father and for the mother. And I can almost uh, hear some parents and children thinking, well, that's impossible. I, I, it can never happen. I mean, you're, I know you've got to preach it. It's right there in the Bible, but you're preaching a, a dream. And, uh, but why, why do we think that? Uh, again, do we think that children are incapable of this? Apparently, Paul didn't. And apparently, the Holy Spirit uh, doesn't uh, think so. And I, uh, it's because both parents, in, in bulking at the command, uh, if there is a bulking, it's because both the parents and the children have accepted and are operating under the world standard concerning all of this. Accepting and obeying uh, the world standard for the raising of children, the tone of the home, and so forth, rather than God's standard. Now, in the, in the next verse, uh, uh, Paul addresses parents, which we're going to look at uh, next time, and uh, won't be, uh, it won't be our Christmas message. Uh, so it'll be after, after Christmas. But today I'm talking to Christian uh, children and just asking you, uh, what standard uh, marks your life this morning in terms of your relationship with your parents, in terms of obedience today? 
Is it the world standard of just rebellion and arrogance and making the home an absolute nightmare of fighting every single thing that they uh, do or obeying with this horrible, lousy uh, uh, attitude? Uh, or is it marked by obedience today? The, the standard of the world or God's standard as He commands you. Uh, so often, children and so often youth want to be addressed with uh, maturity. They want to be addressed like adults, like everybody else. And I think it is interesting to notice uh, that God is speaking right to children in the passage. He begins by saying, children. And he doesn't write, uh, now uh, parents, this is what I want you to know that I expect from your children, and so please inform them of this uh, as you like. No, God, he speaks right to the children, uh, and, and he speaks right to children right now, this moment, for where uh, you are and how you conduct yourself at home and, uh, and uh, the home that enjoys his blessings and that he wants to bless. And the idea is that we don't have to rebel, you don't have to rebel against your parents, and sometimes you just need to hear that. Uh, that uh, if you do rebel against your parents, then it is a, it is a, uh, a decision that you've made. It is not a phase that you're in, it's a personal choice that you're making. And so, uh, this command that Paul makes here to obey, it is uh, in the Greek language in the active imperative. And whenever I'm saying something to children, I always like to bring up the active imperative because I know how much they appreciate that. But the active imperative it speaks of absolute obedience. Now, of course, a, a proper motivation uh, is vital for doing anything that is not easy to do uh, or anything that's going to require some amount of self-sacrifice uh, on our part to accomplish. And the Lord provides it to you as children, for it is well-pleasing to the Lord, Paul goes on to say here. And so the reason uh, that you are to do it or a child is to do it is that it pleases the Lord uh, because you are obeying a commandment in the home that God gives to his people and to his children in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And, and so uh, in obeying one's parents, there is, before it ever becomes obedience to the parents, it is, also, it is an obedience uh, to God. You are obeying him and obeying uh, them. And here Paul wonderfully uh, assumes that pleasing the Lord is important to Christian uh, children. And for you to know uh, that no matter how much a child is to know, how much their obedience is appreciated or noticed by their parents, beyond that to realize that God sees it, God notices it, God appreciates it, and that God will reward you for that. And of course, Jesus is the great example uh, for children in all of this, his obedience to uh, Joseph and also to his mother uh, Mary. Uh, there are little snippets that were given in the Bible in terms of Jesus' uh, childhood and youth. I mean, it's less than a handful. We know very little about him beyond his birth and, and uh, the age of two uh, all the way until he begin, began his public ministry at the age of, of 30. But one of the snippets that's included in his childhood, uh, one of these rare, valuable, priceless snippets that the Holy Spirit uh, includes in, in the narrative is one of Jesus at the age of 12 when we're told as he returns with his parents from the city of Jerusalem, having been found there in the, in the temple and uh, dialoguing and teaching the religious leaders there, and then he makes his way back to Nazareth with his parents, and we're told that he was subject 
uh, to them, and that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Isn't it fascinating? God uh, could have made one exception to this whole commandment in terms of the parental authority uh, 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 that they have in the lives of their children. I mean, you would think in terms of the absolute perfection of Jesus and uh, the imperfection of Joseph and Mary or of any parent who has ever uh, raised a child that God could have said, okay, in this household, uh, the child runs the household. But even in that household, he didn't make that the standard. He never reversed the roles. And even in the, in the household Jesus was raised in, God protected this position of the parent, even in the life of his son. And this is one of the reasons that attempting to use the uh, imperfections of, of my parents in childhood or, or in youth is an excuse for uh, rebellion against them, uh, that that won't be accepted uh, if Jesus didn't do it and he could have done it in spades. Uh, then you don't get to do it. Now, notice how simple God keeps these commands for in order to produce a unity and a peace and a harmony within uh, a Christian home. Uh, the, uh, to the wife, he says, respect your husband's authority. Uh, to the husband, he says, love your wife. To the children, he says, obey your parents. And obedience to their authority and to their commands is the single great thing that God commands a child to bring to the Christian uh, family. Now, clearly one thing God wants every Christian child to learn before they reach adult life is in this obedience is to learn obedience to God-given authority in the formative years of their uh, childhood. Because if a child doesn't learn it is at home, then they will be forced to learn it in adult environments. And they will be forced to learn it in uh, uh, much more hostile environments than a, uh, a, a Christian home, much harsher and unforgiving environments where the stakes are much higher and the consequences for not doing so are greater and where the lesson uh, again be, uh, comes much harder. Everyone, everyone in this world, everyone in this room uh, is going to learn respect for authority in this world because the world is based upon law and order, and it is based upon God-given law and order uh, to government, to law enforcement, to employers, and so forth. And so there is no child, there is no adult who gets to skip this lesson in life. I am either going to learn to respect uh, re learn respect for authority at home, or I'm going to learn it uh, while being fired from my first 10 jobs in my adult life, uh, or by being kicked off of one athletic team uh, after the other, or I'm going to learn it at boot camp where some DI is going to be very, very happy to teach it uh, to me, or I'm going to learn it in prison. But everyone is going to learn this lesson. And God knows that there's no better time in life to learn this lesson than in childhood. The sooner, the better. And to learn it under the, the guidance and uh, the care of loving parents. And certainly one of the cruelest things a child can ever have done to them is to be raised in a home where obedience to parental authority, respect for parental authority is not taught and it's not required. And what the parents have done is to doom that child to, at best, spending the first five years, 10 years, 15 years 
of their adult life learning all of the things in the school of hard knocks that they should have been taught in childhood and should already be a part of their character and the foundation that they now operate from in adult life. And then they are now, only as they head into the adult life, do they realize then with some regret and with some uh, uh, bitterness and resentment uh, that, they, that they are forced to deal with in all of it is they watch all of their peers now excel them in every way. And, uh, and move ahead uh, in life, all of their peers that were taught these things, and uh, move forward in an adult life in which they have no hope of doing so. And this is one of the many ways that the sins of the parents are visited uh, upon the children. And again, the one thing that every child must learn before they reach adult life is obedience to God-given authority, and that begins in the home. The child who is given that blessing, the child that reaches adult life and has learned that, will enter into adult life light years ahead of children uh, who uh, haven't been taught that. They will possess a self-discipline and a a self-control, and then they will uh, possess a confidence concerning themselves and the future that comes out of that. They will have self-respect. They will uh, understand and live in the quality of faithfulness. It will mark their lives, their employment, uh, their marriages, their relationships with other human beings. They'll know good manners. They will know how to talk to adults. They will know how to look them uh, in the eye. These things are absolutely disappearing, uh, of course, today. They will have a good work ethic and to say nothing of reaching adult life, not being addicted to drugs or alcohol or video games or gambling or pornography or whatever else might be. And so these things can, uh, sometimes uh, children can venture into these things uh, secretly uh, beyond apparent uh, uh, knowledge of it, especially as their youth and uh, and, uh, and, and later in, in youth before uh, the parents would know it and, and slam the door related to it. But certainly it's going to be some kind of bondage and addiction without, uh, some, without parental authority being exercised in their life. Now, concerning this command to obey parents, I, I think it's helpful for children and especially youth to know that the rational part of the teen's brain uh, isn't fully developed until they're 25 years old. Maybe you know that, maybe you don't know that. But that is a scientific uh, established fact today. Is they, the brain is kind of the last frontier of the human body uh, as it's being studied so aggressively now today. Uh, And as a result, according to the University of Rochester Medical Center, and you could could go Mayo Clinic anywhere you want to go in terms of all saying the same thing. But uh, they put it this way, quote, recent research has found that adult and teen brains work differently. Ah, okay, that helps. Uh, Adults think with the prefrontal cortex, the brain's rational part. This is the part of the brain that uh, that responds to situations with good judgment and an awareness of long-term consequences. Uh, Teens process information with the uh, amygdala. This is the emotional uh, part. And so you see these things that uh, scientists are even only discovering even now, uh, even recently in, in human history, and this command to obey parents, especially uh, godly parents, is a needed protection for children that God has known about uh, all along. And so uh, alone children and uh, even youth are completely incapable of successfully handling 
all of the temptations, all of the uh, addictions that are thrown at them by this Western culture uh, at, at such a young age. These are difficult, difficult temptations to face at 25 years old, at 30 years old, 40 years old. But a, a child uh, and a youth is completely unprepared physiologically for the temptations that our culture not only puts in front of them, but uh, uh, actively pursues them uh, with. And of course, it's criminal. Now, all of this is why the famous quote some of you might have heard is why Mark Twain's observation concerning his father is everybody's experience to one degree or another. He wrote famously, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. And, uh, and here is Mark Twain writing long before the science of this uh, was uh, ever on the table for uh, any of us. And sometimes I think when we read a, a command from God and uh, we're trying to understand it, it's good to ask ourselves, what is the opposite of what he's commanding here. So I can kind of get my mind around uh, the full extent of, of what's being uh, said here, the full extent of what he's trying to steer uh, us away, uh, away from. But the opposite of obedience and submission to authority is disobedience and uh, rebellion. And uh, you live in a nation where disobedience to parents and any authority is advanced and nurtured as the overwhelmingly dominant message uh, to that age group and to uh, children. And nevermore is the message of rebellion and disobedience to authority stronger in terms of, of the, the world's advancement of it than when it is directed against God's commandments and against God's uh, authority and His standards. And it's everywhere, of course. Uh, it's on the television. It's in uh, movies. It's in all of the music, for the most part, on websites, and ever increasingly, depending the state that you're in, uh, in public education, advertising uh, advances so many things in this way. But one of the problems with most of it is that they is that they encourage rebellion, they encourage disobedience, and they glorify it. But one of the things that they rarely do, I mean, it's only uh, one-tenth of one percent will they ever do it. Will they ever show you the consequences of uh, rebellion and disobedience? What it looks like a little further uh, down uh, the road. And typically, a person only finds out about it, a child or a youth, really anybody, finds out about it uh, after uh, they've become a casualty of their rebellion and their disobedience. Now, but God is very upfront in, in the Scriptures about these kind of things. Uh, so often, uh, God is kind of viewed sometimes as like this enemy to children or enemy to youth. Nobody's looking out for you like God is looking out for you. And so God's up front about it. And, and, and I'll give you a couple of verses. Proverbs chapter 14, uh, verse 12. There's a way that seems right to man, uh, a man, but its end is the way of death. And here's the, the acknowledgement, the recognition that decisions put us on a path, and those paths lead us to a destination. And so the encouragement for every child, every youth, to, and, and every adult to look at the path that this decision is going to put me on, and then it's a really good idea to look at uh, where this path ends. And you say, how, do, how would I know that? Just look at another human being that's been on that path for five years 
or for 10 years or for 20 years and look at the quality of life that they're living and then, then come to your conclusion about the quality uh, of the decision and the path that that decision is about uh, to put me on. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27, the fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. And you look at any kind of uh, addiction, uh, any kind of addiction to sin, and all of them have, uh, and some of them to a greater degree than others, but all of them have the common denominator of uh, shortening lives. In that same book of Proverbs, Agur puts it very, very graphically in uh, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17, the eye that mocks his uh, father, and it, and it looks like this, Okay, so the eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. In other words, that's a life that ends in ruin. It ends in dying in disgrace. There was no greater thing for a Jew than for uh, a Jew to die and be unburied. So here you have someone who has gone so far away from everything uh, that they, they die in disgrace and, and unburied. And that whole thing about uh, the ravens picking at the eye and so forth, it's as true today as ever it was back in those days. Now today, for instance, we talk about uh, the homeless problem. And of course, California has a great homeless problem. We have entire cities within cities that are, uh, that look like uh, Bombay and, uh, but India without the privileges that the United States of America uh, has and ha has had. And uh, so we talk about the homeless problem as if all uh, the overwhelming majority of people living on the streets are there because they lack a home. And uh, all of it gets reworded in this way uh, uh, by our society trying to shift our attention away from what is really behind the epidemic by and large. And what it is is not a homeless problem, it is a drug and alcohol problem or epidemic. And you look at the, the poverty people uh, live in, uh, in that, the quality of life. Look at the kind of poverty people live in because of the consequences of deliberately living a sexually immoral life. And I'm not trying to throw, throw stones at people that we're supposed to have uh, compassion for but, uh, but if we don't ever address the problem or call, get to the root of a problem, we'll never help anybody uh, at all. But the point being to the glorification of things, and look at our country. I mean, there's in our state here, so we legalize uh, marijuana. What a brilliant move that was. And... Um, <clears throat> Because here is the state, they're going to make a little money off this. It'll take care of the illegal market. The illegal market hasn't been dented. It is as big as it ever has been. Uh, it just speaks to how massive now uh, the, the consumer uh, of the product has become. And uh, so the idea is, all right, we can tax it, we can manage it, it will be money into the state coffers. What the state will pay to deal with uh, what happens in people's lives related to marijuana addiction and then wherever else it might lead is going to be a thousand to one to anything that comes into the coffer. Ah, but that money will come out of a different department. And no one will ever see the correlation between the two things. And then Oregon, now you can keep, everybody can walk around with just uh, a little bit of heroin and uh, methamphetamine in grass in your pocket. Uh, apparently, no one in the state legislature there has ever met a meth addict. And uh, how sad and terrible and how hard a life it is and how many of them would wish 
to have the day before they ever tried these drugs another opportunity to choose uh, a different kind of, uh, of path. And so we see the, before our own eyes uh, within the culture. For me growing up, I wasn't a 60s child, I was a product of the 70s, but everything was in full bloom in, in the 70s and that we're still dealing with a drug problem and, and, and even epidemic numbers of people uh, in line racing to drugs after decades of seeing uh, casualties before our own eyes and our own families, our own neighborhoods is, is astonishing, but it's real. And, uh, and you look at all of the other, uh, where all of the other addictions in life are leading people into ruin. The gambling addiction, pornography, uh, compulsive use of, of digital media. And, and the point that I'm, uh, it's not the point that I'm trying to make, but it is a point that I'm trying to make. When I was in junior high, okay, so this gets an eye roll uh, out of that, but I'm not your parents, so your eye won't get plucked out. I'll pluck it out for you, though. Um, <laughs> But when, when I was a uh, junior high-aged uh, uh, student, I used to envy all of the kids that were in junior high who had parents that weren't as strict as my parents were. And they had no curfew, zero curfew, so many of them, even back in those days. They came when they went, they did, came to school when they went, when they didn't want to, and, and, uh, and, and, and uh, no rules at all, stayed out all night if they wanted to. And, and uh, for me as a stupid junior high boy, seemed like a, a dream life. But before I got out of, in some cases, out of junior high, which was 7th, 8th, and ninth grade in the city I grew up in, and certainly out of high school, how many of them were already alcoholics, already drug addicts, already in the juvenile hall system, or already uh, in, uh, later in jail? And so things, of course, are literally a hundred times worse now. And so uh, as a child, the realization that you live in a secular ungodly, anti-God, and, and specifically an uh, anti-God of the Bible culture that has become so dangerous spiritually and emotionally and physically and mentally that it's absolutely vital that you as a child cooperate with your parents in their attempt to raise you and the nurture and the admonition, the love and the instruction uh, of the Lord, and to do so with your obedience. And parents have their role in endeavoring to raise you in this uh, crazy culture that is bent upon addicting you to some product that they will make uh, money off as early as they uh, possibly can. But theirs isn't the only uh, responsibility or role in all of this. You are to cooperate in, in it as well with your obedience to their authority in your life. And you must look out for yourself in this way. The world has become so dangerous in terms of sin and, and the destructiveness and the availability of it, the access to sin, the temptation to sin, that it's imperative that you must look out for yourself. You don't have the luxury of rebellion and disobedience that maybe previous generations felt like they had. There, are, there is much less room for error uh, for you in, in this uh, hour. I remember when I was a child and I was a teenager, you could make two or three uh, bad decisions uh, in life and you could survive them because the culture was different. It was much more uh, biblically uh, founded. Society was different than, uh, than it, it, it is uh, now. Much uh, higher uh, moral standard for people in those days. Access to sin was far, far less. And so you could make two or three major mistakes in life and maybe get through it. 
but today you can make one wrong decision and it changes your life forever and it can set your destiny for life. And so the importance of realizing that you have an important part to play in your family that is way beyond the one that's usually portrayed on the TV or in the, in the movies, uh, of, of being a brat and making life miserable for everyone in the household until they give you luggage for your 18th birthday and, and you're gone. That kind of rebellion uh, is not only powerful enough to bring down a family, but that kind of uh, uh, rebellion among ch children and youth can also bring down a nation. And all of this is a sign of an approaching collapse within our country. There is no nation in the world, not even the United States of America, given all of our wealth, but I don't know how we can consider ourselves to be a wealthy country when we are, what, $25 trillion in debt? And, uh, but uh, even w uh, with the wealth, it's pouring through people's hands. But no nation in the world is wealthy enough to undermine God's institutions of marriage and family in this way for any considerable length of time before it costs the nation and the culture and the society so much money that the nation cannot afford to deal uh, with it. No nation can underwrite destroying God's institution of marriage and family and children raising within its borders. It is an ultimate suicide on the part uh, of that nation. There are two very disturbing lists of sins in the New Testament that speak of a people or a nation uh, of the world that is very uh, fast approaching uh, moral and societal uh, anarchy or uh, very much approaching uh, God's judgment. Let me read those to you. The first one is in Romans chapter 1. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God and those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, uh, same but also approve of those who practice them. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, ugh, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. And when you look at both of those lists, and you see the kind of sins and things that are listed uh, that surround the sin of disobedience to parents, it would be very easy to look and say, well, you know, they got some serious sins in there, and they, they got some sins that aren't really uh, that serious at all. And, and to look at disobedience to parents as being kind of relatively harmless, but it's not. Again, when it becomes a prevalent characteristic, of a nation, it is one of the marks of a culture or a nation that is in serious decline and it is fast approaching terrible, terrible consequences for it, including God's judgment. And presently, as you read the news and as I do, and if you don't read the news, you're better than all of us. 
But presently, of course, America is so worried about the ascension and the tactics of the uh, communist Chinese government. And of course, in many, many ways, not only the United States could be, should be concerned about them, but the entire uh, world. Uh, but from the vantage point of heaven, uh, whatever is happening in China is not remotely the threat to our future. In the United States of America, as what is happening generation by generation among our children and among our youth. We are rotting from the inside out, and the whole world knows it and is rubbing their hands related to it. But there is no need to, even within the larger context of that, no need for uh, any individual Christian family to rot with it. Now, allow me to close with a, a couple of brief things to give some thought to as children in this regard. And first of all, uh, to uh, children, to understand that your parents are under a command uh, to uh, raise you in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, that one day they're going to be judged for that. They will stand before Jesus Christ Himself and give an account for their faithfulness to do that related to uh, your uh, life. It's not an option for them to raise you this way. Uh, it is something that they, it's not something that they can do or, or not do. And, uh, and not only do your parents need to understand that that day is coming, but you as a child need to understand that about your parents. They're not being unduly hard or unduly uh, strict. This is what God Almighty has commanded them to do in the raising of you. Second, think about what your parents are up against in attempting to do this in your life. Put yourself in your parents' shoes in, in all of this. I, I am personally convinced that the hardest thing that any individual person will do in Western culture, including the United States of America, is raise a, even a good kid, to say nothing of a godly kid, in the midst of this culture. And so I, 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 people talk about the declining birth rate in uh, the United States of America, in Europe, in Western developed uh, nations as a whole. Japan does not know what they're going to do. They cannot get their people uh, to have babies. And uh, there's a lot of reasons for it, and we can't get into it this morning. Uh, but sometimes people look at it and say, it's, just, oh, it's all just materialism. They, instead of having kids, they just want to have things. I'm sure that's a factor in it, but I don't think it explains everything uh, about it. I think that the Western developed world has made it so hard to raise a good kid, and, and, and it is so diff difficult to accomplish it that people are having second thoughts about even attempting uh, to do that because they have to raise this child against the full weight of the entirety of Western uh, culture and, uh, and all of it coming uh, against them. Think about trying a parent as a child, put yourself in their shoes, trying to raise you against the tide of federal, state, and local governments and all of their power and all of their wealth against the tide of public education, depending on what state you're in, and all of their power and all of their wealth and, and to raise you in the things of the Lord against every facet of the entertainment industry and all of their power and all of their wealth. And so it goes with social media and all of their power and over all of their wealth. Virtually everything is aligned against your parents, raising you the way that God calls them to raise you. 
And when they endeavor to do that, they are more than deserving of your respect and your compassion toward them and certainly uh, uh, worthy of your obedience to them for endeavoring to do so. And then I think third, to realize that because your parents are not perfect, no parent uh, is, and because you are yourself a descendant of Adam and Eve with a fallen nature, you will never be able to obey the commandment that God gives you in verse 20 apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. So don't wait till you become a missionary. Don't wait till you become 40 years old to ask for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Parents, don't wait to pray with your children or to explain that to them, the power to live for Christ in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, in Modesto City Schools, or in a neighborhood in Modesto, or whatever we could use as an example and to pray for the baptism with the Holy Spirit and say, God, would you give me the power to be obedient to my parents? I don't want to do it. My flesh doesn't want me to do it, but I know I want to do it down in, in my heart and in my spirit. And God will give you the power to do that. And then forth for you to realize that in all of these commands that so often are viewed by the culture, is Victorian and outdated in all of this, that these commands are given to you. All of God's commandments given to us are given because God loves you and He loves your parents. And that's why He commands commandments like this. He's only trying to look out for you. And the problem with being a child or the problem with being a youth is that sometimes it's not till much later that we realize that he was trying to look out for us. But to realize that and understand that uh, now when the consequences are so great. And so to be raised in a Christian home is a privilege. And this is the part, God says, you are to bring to that home, obedience to your parents. Let's stand now and we'll close in prayer. Father, we pray this morning for this instruction to just go deep into the heart of children and youth. And Lord, you know I'm not very good at teaching children and not very good at teaching youth. But Lord, you know how to give life and power to your truth, something, some several things that you would plant in their heart. And I pray, Lord, that each one would today stop and look at their own life and the light of your commandment and then by the power and leading of your Holy Spirit, the conviction, the encouragement of your Holy Spirit, determined to be this kind of child to their parents and this kind of Christian to you. And we pray and ask for this work of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. If you stand here this morning and you are not yet a Christian, that needs to get taken care of today. The sooner the better. And there are going to be pastors and others up in front immediately after. And